The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I can promise you, you are in the right place. Our topic today, the buzz, is small business and partners. But let me give a little preference. To our listening audience all over the world, I know you're out there in over 250 countries, regions, states. We love you for listening. But this show is specifically addressing those of you who have a gleam in your eye and that burning fire in your belly to start your own business, or those of you who are already in the business trenches trying to tell the world, hey, look at me, buy from me, my services, my products. I have the truly next big thing, and you're going to want to pay attention to me. So today's episode is part one of a special two-parter here on Coffee Break with Game Changers, and we're going to be addressing small business insights with three experts who really, really know what they're talking about. They're going to share advice, insights, strategies, tips that could save you time and money, and maybe most important of all, could save you some heartache along the way. Way to launching and growing your business. So stick around for the next 55 minutes. This could change your business. It could change your life in so many positive ways. Now I'll officially get started. Small businesses cannot do it alone. You need partners, but guess what? It is not easy. You've got to deftly manage your business partnerships, but you don't want to risk your IP, your intellectual property. You don't want to risk the talent you've already brought on board. Or worse than that, there must be a lot of things worse. All of these challenges are happening in a business environment today where the lines can quickly blur. Guess what? Cooperation can morph into competition. Have you been there? Maybe so. And even more important in today's networked economy, supply chains can shift and transform as seamlessly as the desert winds. That's a beautiful phrase from my colleague Jackie Prowse at SAP. Thank you, Jackie, for that poetry. Many critical questions arise. What can a small business owner do to shore up enough protection to avoid getting squeezed out of of your own game. You really don't want that to happen. How often should you look at your business partner agreements? Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, only when something catastrophic happens and a warning sign comes up. And talking about warning signs, how will you recognize the red flags that are blinking, flashing, and screaming at you? Hey, time to start looking for a new business partner. They're out there, but do you know how to recognize them? We have gathered a panel of three experts. We're so honored to have them here with us today. Let me introduce our first panelist. She was on the show with me a couple of years ago. Her name is Susan Solovic. She is the capital T-H-E, small business expert, and we'll tell you a little more about her later. Uh, And Susan sent me the following very interesting quote. She says, failure is the key to entrepreneurial success. If you aren't failing, you aren't doing. Susan Solovic, welcome back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. How are you? 
Oh, I'm well, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me back on the program. You always do such a great job. Well, thank you. So do you. So talk to me. Failure is the key to entrepreneurial success. We talk often, Susan, about failure, fail fast, fail often in the entrepreneurial sense, even in the business sense. So talk to me about these words of wisdom. Right. Well, and you know, Bill Gates calls failure research. So, you know, you, you have those failures and learn from them. And you mentioned in my introduction, Bonnie, that I am the small business expert. So what entitles me to call myself the expert? Well, basically, it's because I've had great successes, which I've loved and enjoyed. But really, the real benefit that I bring to the party here is the failures that I've had. And my goal is to help small businesses understand those stumbling blocks that I've experienced so that they can then soar to success without stumbling over the same blocks. And I tell you, one of my issues when I was starting my one of my first businesses in my early 20s, and I grew it, you know, very fast, very quickly, and I let one customer become 90% of my business, and they went bankrupt. And I had to shut down my shop, go back into the corporate world for a while, get a real job, 9 to 5, and I call that my very expensive MBA. So, I mean, I learned so much about building a business from that experience. Thank I you, Susan. That, keep, yeah. keep going. Yeah, go ahead. No, I just, I just think that people who are afraid to challenge the status quo, um, that they go into the copycat businesses, they go into follow-the-leader businesses, commodity businesses, they're not the businesses out there making a home run. And not that you have to have disruptive uh, technology or be a market creator. But, you know, you have to just create just a little difference, just do something a little bit differently and bring that added value to the market. Susan, how do you instill in people that it's okay to fail? Let's say uh, we, we've talked many times on Coffee Break over the years with various panelists about the fact that people go out and try to raise the money. If you don't have an angel investor or some big bucks behind you, you go to FFF, your circle of three Fs, family, <laughs> friends, and fools. I think you've heard of that one. And you say to everybody... Yeah, and you say, hey, I just need, oh, just a little bit, maybe 10000 this year. Oh, yeah. oh, give me 500 Oh, I'm going to be one of those miracle stories. I can launch right. a, a $20 billion business on $49.22. And then you have that embarrassment factor, and we all know saving face is important today, especially with social media. So just quickly, Susan, if you aren't failing, you aren't doing, how do you save face if you're an entrepreneur, you've borrowed money, or you've put up your shingle and you said, here it is, the next best thing. The next big thing, look at me, and all of a sudden you're failing. People are saying, what? How do you get over that? Well, I think here's the thing with that, and I always encourage entrepreneurs to recognize if they do go to that friend, family, and fool circle, that they have to be very upfront with those people and let them know that it needs to be the money that they can afford to lose. So the chances and the odds of making it in that startup business, that big idea, that multi-million dollar enterprise you're going to build, the odds of you failing are huge. I'd rather go play the roulette tables out in Vegas than really can invest in a startup sometime. But, I mean, the odds are there. So you need to be really honest with them up front. Then when it doesn't work out, you don't have to go with your tail tucked between your legs and, you know, say, oh, gosh, and, you know, feel embarrassed and all of that. You gave it a great shot. They put their money in with full awareness that they probably mm-hmm. wouldn't get it back. And then you don't have that awkward sense of, uh-oh, now what do I do? 
Thank you, Susan. And interestingly enough, your FFF circle of family, friends, and fools are your first business partners, but we'll talk about that later. Thank you so much for joining me, Susan. Let me turn to our second panelist. He is Morgan Brown, calling in from Ireland. We don't often have guests from Ireland, so we're delighted you could join us. And he's the chief executive at the IIS Group. And here's a nice, long, meaty quote that Morgan sent me. He says, partnerships are always a gamble, but what choice do we have? In order for small businesses to grow, they have to leverage other firms, but making the right choice of partner can often be the difference between success and failure. That kind of wraps it up in a nice red bow. Welcome, Morgan Brown. How are you? I'm very well, Bonnie. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. Talk to me about your quote, please. Well, I suppose it, it, it comes down to being an Irish company and being on a small rock in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean where we're, we're trained to to push our businesses internationally very quickly. Uh, and the quickest way of doing that is through partnerships. So that's why I always feel that they are uh, a must-do uh, for, for any Irish company. Um, so, you know, wh- whilst we're uh, pushed in that direction, we, we have to look at the, the gambles, the, the challenges that come with those partnerships, especially when we look within the European market and there are so many different cultures and different ways of doing businesses that it, it enhances the risks as we try and build our businesses throughout the, the European Union, for example. So it is a gamble. It's one we have to take, but it's uh, certainly one that um, we, we have to weigh up all the time and check for the risks and check for the challenges that come with those. Morgan, I, I mentioned in my opening about red flags. When you're dealing with a politically sometimes unstable environment, I'm thinking of all the news. I, I watch uh, 103, Channel 103 in New York here a lot, which is Euro News, and see an awful lot that I would never see on, on everyday American TV and, and here on American radio. And it looks like it's... Um, rife with red flags, especially if you're doing business. I also mentioned that supply chains can shift and transform. Is this a really constantly rocky road to do business with partners in Europe today? Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think it's the unknown as well, Bonnie. So, you know, you Mm -hmm. go into a new market and you create a partnership with somebody who has perhaps similar ambitions as yourself. But there are a lot of external uh, influences with those partnerships uh, um, in different countries. Uh, so there are stricter labor laws in certain countries that present challenges to us um, that, that can have an impact on those partnerships that you've created. So you can go in with the right um, ideals and ambitions, mm-hmm. but the other challenges, the unknown challenges, can cause uh, an awful lot of problems for those partnerships. Morgan, do entrepreneurs ever get to sleep anymore in this current business environment, the networked economy, the digital economy, the social selling economy, the OMG, did I really make a partnership with him or her or them yesterday? How am I going to live with that? Does anybody ever sleep anymore when you're in a new business? Um, It's a good question. I think you have to sleep or else you'll go mad, but it's very difficult, especially in the earlier years. As you build a strong management team around you, I think it gets a little bit easier, but... uh, as we're more connected and our partnerships extend further around the world in different time zones, it becomes more and more difficult. Thank you very much, Morgan. Pleasure to meet you, and thanks for joining us. And let me turn to our third panelist. She is Carrie Maslin, M-A-S-L-E-N. She's the Global Vice President of Small and Medium Enterprises, that's SME, at SAP. And I have another nice, long, meaty quote in this one from Carrie. She says, I believe... 
the best business policy is the golden rule, since business partners will play different roles at different times, from competitors to colleagues, sometimes even from deal to deal. It's important to remember this is a small, interconnected world. And here's the kicker from Carrie. What goes around comes around. OMG. Carrie Maslin, welcome to the show. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Tell me about your quote. This sounds like this is a circle that just keeps going around and around and around. Do you ever get off that merry-go-round? I don't think you do, actually. And I've worked for small companies, big companies, not-for-profits, and I've seen this is really situational, whether the person sitting beside you or across from you is a competitor, even a customer, or a collaborator. So I think that since the dynamics can, dynamics can change so frequently, deal to deal, project to project, really it's all about integrity and respect because I don't think you can burn bridges because the person that you're competing with today might be, you might need them to partner with tomorrow. So I subscribe to the, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's just too small of a world. It really is more and more connected every day and every minute. Um, Carrie, this do unto others, uh, you, you're really saying that somebody has to take the high road, I think. Is that the translation here, that you have to have the ethics, have the, the – well, go ahead. Talk to me. No, exactly. That's exactly right. I think you have to take the high road, and um, I think as where you're sitting, you can do whatever you can to protect yourself, whether it's service-level agreements, non-disclosure, non-compete. But I think the reality is it is all about human-to-human behavior, and you do have to, to go into every engagement with the utmost integrity because you might need that person or they might need you in the future engagement. So it, it, it is all about taking the high road, respecting the values of the deal, respecting the values of that contract or that engagement. Interesting, Carrie. I'm thinking while you're speaking about social media and the fact that consumers are encouraged uh, sometimes maybe too much to shout out when they're unhappy with the company. They bought your product, they didn't like it, or the delivery person was was nasty to them or uh, the product failed, and they just take to the social media airwaves, whatever waves we want to call them, and they just blast a company with a name and the, the hashtag and the handle, and they're just out there. But when something goes sour, I'm, I'm thinking of your take the high road and the golden rule in business partnership, especially for small businesses, when something goes sour, I can imagine that since we're all consumers at one point or another, Carrie, there might be that little, you know where I'm going with this, that little bit of, oh, what I love to blast that person on social media. They done me wrong. They didn't keep their bargain or they pulled out the money or they double crossed me or they're now competing for my customer list. Is there that a temptation? Do you think that they really, really, really need to put on ice and walk away from Carrie? Well, I think that's where the golden rule comes into place. And do you really want to be the one that responds to that? Don't do it if you don't want to respond to it. So, um, yeah, but you're also speaking to a really important uh, concept, which I think is know thy partner. So you, you, there, with social, there's a lot of ways to do research with who you will be entering into engagements with. So you might want to do as much as you can up front to protect yourself to understand references, to understand if the person you're engaging with has a tendency to do that and make sure you don't have a tendency to do it again. Make sure you're taking that high road. You're operating in with total integrity, total respect, and that you're somebody that they want to come back and partner with in the future. 
Great point. Use social to your advantage in learning who the partner is before you partner with them. I like that. Great, great tip there. Guess what? I'm going to circle back to Susan Solovic. Susan, I'm going to ask you where you're calling from, what time of day is it, and what are you drinking right now? If it's interesting, and if not, what do you plan to drink after the show? Go ahead, Susan. Okay, Bonnie. Well, I'm in New York City this week, um, and it's, you know, 11, well, 11.17 now Eastern Mm -hmm. time. Gonna, it's a little rainy today, but uh, I love New York City. And actually, you know, right now I'm just drinking some water. I drink water all the time. But what I plan to drink is even more interesting because I grew up, my mother always made me taste everything at dinner. And I grew up in the country, and we always had these fresh tomatoes in the summertime. And she would slice tomatoes, and I hated them, hated them. But I always <laughs> had to eat one bite. So then I go along into my 20s. And I'm out one night, and I see someone serve a Bloody Mary. And it had this celery and olives and all this mm-hmm. stuff in it, and I didn't know what it was. So, you know, decided to taste it. Found out that that was actually tomato juice. Now I love tomatoes and Bloody Marys, and so later this evening, I'm going to have a Bloody Mary. <laughs> Well, wow, that's a great story. Thank you. I hated tomatoes, too, growing up. And when I was at summer camp one year, Susan, everybody knew that I hated tomatoes, so they all saved a slice of tomato from their tuna sandwiches, and they passed a plate full of tomatoes down to me. And they look, I was about 11 years, 9 years old, and they said, okay, Bonnie, it's your turn. Eat all the tomatoes. And I thought, boy, that must have been an early version of hazing. And otherwise, they were nice kids. But, yes, I learned to like tomatoes. I love Mon grilled cheese sandwiches, by the way. Thank you very much. Now we have a a new way to get kids to like tomatoes. (laughs) Introduce them to Bloody Marys. I'm not going to go any, not going to go any farther with that one. Morgan Brown, I know you're in Ireland. Where are you? What time of day? And what are you drinking that's interesting or after the show? Talk to me, Morgan. Well, Bonnie, you say tomato and I say tomato. Ah. uh, Four, four, (laughs) it's 420 here in Dublin and, uh, being late in the afternoon, I'm enjoying a nice hot cup of Irish tea with a big uh, splash of uh, cold milk. Oh, nice. And Irish tea, uh, I have to ask you, we've had a lot of guests from the U.K. on, and when they hear that we in the U.S., of course, use tea bags, they've told me that's considered dusty tea, like it's not real tea. Don't you dare call that tea. So are you brewing from tea leaves in a little uh, metal tea ball, or how do you brew your tea? Oh, it's just a bag, I'm afraid, Bonnie. <laughs> but it's uh, every every Irish man who comes home from the states for uh, for a break uh, takes back a box of Irish tea. You just can't beat it. Can't beat it. Okay. Well, I'll tell my UK friends that Morgan Brown says it's good stuff. Thank you very much, Carrie Maslin. Where are you? What time of day? And what are you drinking? So it's the morning. I'm in Orlando in a convention center, and I am not drinking the coffee here because. Growing up, my family spent a year in Costa Rica, and that's where I learned to drink real coffee, which we call Café con Leche. It's basically a glass of hot milk with a drop of coffee. So as soon as I'm out of this convention center, I'm going to find a Starbucks. I still don't know what you call it to order that Starbucks, but I asked for a glass of hot milk with a dash of coffee in it. How poetic. I love that. Well, I'm sure you'll find a, a Starbucks that's amenable to uh, to give you exactly what, what you want. You just tell them you just talked about it on Global Business Talk Radio and that they're under pressure to give you exactly what you order and, and get back to us. Go. Okay, Carrie. There you go. And how's the weather in Orlando, by the way? It's gorgeous. 
Good. Envious. Susan and I are in New York, and it's kind of uh, pluey here. That's French for rainy. We'll leave it at that. And as some of you may know and some of you may not know, on radio show days, they don't let Bonnie have caffeine. I'm relegated to just water, but I can have a straw. So there you go. That's my that's my cup of choice during the live show. But I'll have something more interesting later. We're talking about small businesses and partners. I have an extraordinary panel here of experts. They really know what they're talking about. Susan Solovic, the small business expert. Morgan Brown, chief executive at the IIS Group. And Carrie Maslin, global VP of SME, that's small and medium enterprises at SAP. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're live. It's Wednesday. Wednesday, May 6th. Yesterday was Cinco de Mayo. Today is the plus one. Our topic today is small business insights, sustainable collaboration, part one. Part two, by the way, set your calendar, will be two weeks from today on the 20th of May. A big shout out to my colleague Jackie Prowse at SAP for setting up this topic and inviting this wonderful panel. I know Jackie's listening and tweeting. And why don't you join Jackie, those of you who love Twitter, at hashtag SAP Radio, because she's doing a lot of tweeting and sharing our panelists' words of wisdom. When we come back from the break, just 90 seconds from now, Susan Solovic will start us off on our roundtable. It's going to be 30 minutes nonstop, so you don't want to even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Bread out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are. We're back. We're talking with small business experts. And our panel is kicked off by the small business expert, Susan Solovic. And Susan and I chatted off off air during the break. And we think we found a great place to start the roundtable. So, Susan, I'm going to read a couple of lines from your notes before the show. And then I'd like you to run with it. And then we'll get Morgan Brown at IIS Group and Carrie Maslin at SAP to chime in. So, Susan, you told me some very, very important statements here. You said not everyone is cut out for business ownership. Not everyone is meant to be their own boss. You need to examine your personality to make sure you have the right stuff. Hey, that's a good title for a movie. Susan Solovic, why don't you tell us what does it take to have the persona, that fire in the belly, the the fortitude, the magnanimous whatever to know how to do small business today? Let's get started. Well, I think most small businesses start with an idea that the owner is passionate about. They, they really enjoy doing it. They're really good at it. Um, but they forget to think about all the fundamental things that it takes 
to take that product or that service and make it into a successful, sustainable business. So I always ask people to really do a personal self-assessment. Think about the way you work. Are you a self-starter? Do you not mind working by yourself? Because when you're starting off, you know, you're going to be feeling pretty isolated. It's just you. You know, you're going to be doing every part of the business, everything I say from collecting the cash to taking out the trash. So it's all going to be you. But the real key, I think, is whether or not you're a people person. Because when you start that business, you are the product and the service, and you are the only sales force you have. So people start open up their, their shop or they go online or they're, they're offering their services, and they think the business will come to them. And it doesn't. You've got to get out there and knock on doors. And particularly in today's crazy, busy environment where there's so much competition and clutter in the marketplace, you've got to be willing to really earn their business. So you've got to be comfortable with people. You've got to be willing to go out there and sell because, as um, an old friend of mine always used to say, nothing happens till you sell something. <laughs> I guess not. That's kind of the yeah. bottom line, isn't it? Uh, it Susan, is. do, do people get stars in their eyes when they watch shows like Shark Tank? Do they say, oh, my goodness, I had that idea five years ago. I'm going to go and do it right now. I can do it better than he, she, or they can. Do you think that it's encouraging the wrong people to become entrepreneurs? Or do you think it's encouraging the, the ones sitting in the corner saying, damn, I hate my job. I hate my boss. I'd really like to be in my own business. Now I know it's doable. What what do you think, good, bad, or ugly? Well, I think, um, personally, I think Shark Tank is a, a good program in that the sharks are hard-hitting when the businesses present. They don't hold any punches back, and they ask some really great questions. So, in fact, one of my suggestions when I speak to groups is watch the show and watch what kind of questions those successful uh, entrepreneurs are asking you. And if you can't answer those about your business, then you've got some weak spots in those businesses. I see the problem is the so-called small business experts who are out there um, who say, you know what, if you are passionate about your business, if you love what you do, you can't help but succeed. Well, that's a bunch of bunk because, uh, you know, as someone said this earlier on the program, you know, you're not going to get a lot of sleep. You're going to work hard for longer than you've ever worked in your life. But you really have to understand that, yeah, you might be great at delivering that product or service, but there are a lot of elements in running a business and operations and process and, you know, financials and all of those things that you need to be aware of and need to focus on just as much as delivering that product or service. So I think those are things that, that escape people. And then when they get into business, they go, oh, man, holy crap, what did I get into? And that's why a lot of small businesses fail. Thank you, Susan. Morgan Brown, want to hear your insights on is everybody cut out to be an entrepreneur? Agree or disagree with Susan? I'm not sure everybody is um, cut out for it. You have to be um, you, you have to be up for the risk and the challenges that come with it, the sleepless nights and the, the stress and the worry that come come with starting your own business. And and then even as the business grows, I think it becomes challenging uh, letting go. You know, it's something that you've built up yourself and, you you know, you put your hard work into and then you've got to bring other people into that organization with better skills or different skills than you have and that can be quite difficult as well so sometimes sometimes not everybody is cut out for starting but then also they're not cut out for growing uh, when taking it to the next level thank you carrie maslin thoughts 
Yeah, I think so far I agree with everything. I would maybe add a few things, which is you also have to be introspective enough to know, are you willing to ask for help, whether that's a mentor, whether it's a partner, whether it's one of your famous three Fs? And are you also willing to hire people that are better than you? So I think Susan laid out a whole bunch of different skills. I don't think it's realistic that one person could have all of those. And I think some people uh, might be challenged to hire people that are more experts than they are. So I think it's also this personality that, that again, you are willing to say, um, I guess it's to show some vulnerability that I am not an expert on everything and I'm going to partner or get a mentor or hire somebody that's smarter than I am in this area so you can make sure that you can get to up to speed as quickly as possible. So that's what I would add to the comments uh, Morgan and Susan already made. Thank you very much. Susan, anything you want to add to this before I move to uh, back to our partner theme today, our collaborative theme? Susan? No, I, but I have to tell you, I just it's such good information here. I think that we all should go on the road with this message. <laughs> well, I, I think if Jackie Prass has her way, you may be going on the road. I know she's starting an Ask the Experts, and I'll be telling our listeners about that at the end. So uh, this is just the beginning. Great. I think we might have a good theme here. Thank you very much for mentioning that. Morgan Brown, I'm looking at your notes here. First of all, tell us just in a couple sentences, what does the IIS group do? I know you're based in Dublin. Uh, what exactly is your business? And, and then I'll, I'll get you started on a roundtable topic. Go ahead. Well, we're an SAP Business One partner, so we uh, sell Business One ERP solutions to small and medium-sized businesses in Ireland, the UK, and the Netherlands primarily. Okay, thank you. Now, here's where I'd like to go back to our topic, which is sustainable collaboration, i.e., partnerships. You say, every time I enter a new agreement, I always ask myself, quote, and this is Morgan quoting himself, I know what I know, but don't, what don't I know? And then Morgan adds, as a natural optimist, I'm always very keen to look at the upside, but what about the downside? What are the external influences that could affect the partnership? We touched on this a little bit in the opening. We talked about uh, companies doing business with the EU, but once you take us a little deeper into this topic, uh, how much do you need to know? How much due diligence before you even approach somebody to be a partner? What do you advise, Morgan? Well, this is the risk part, I think, of entrepreneurship. And um, mm. you, you can never do enough due diligence, and nor do small businesses have the budget to spend months and years investigating the potential risks and pitfalls uh, that could come about from a, a partnership um, I know from our experiences moving into new countries, we would have experienced challenges around cultural diversity and different ways of doing business. Uh, but I'm not sure it would have, um, I would have been able to, to investigate with the limited budgets we'd have much more than I did. Uh, but there are, there are a lot of challenges around that, and it's the unknown, I think. Um, and you have to look at the people that you're partnering with and potentially what their agenda is in that partnership to see whether it's right for you or it's right for them, and if it's actually mutually beneficial or is one person going to win out more than others. And that's always going to be a bit of a challenge. But as an eternal optimist, I think I always rush in and think that everything's going to be great. So I always ask myself that one question about what I don't know about this particular relationship that I'm going into. Mm -hmm. Good points, Morgan. I, I want to add one more thing to that before we bring Carrie and Susan in on this part of the conversation. You, you talk in your notes about managing your own expectations, but how do you manage the expectations of the partners? How many conversations do you need to have? How many of your team, or let's say the entrepreneur's team, needs to meet with the partners 
entrepreneurial team. And how many handshakes, how many good beers, how many cups of, of Irish coffee or, or Irish tea do you need mm-hmm. to have before? You really, the, the armor is off, the facade is down, the politeness is off the table, and you're really talking business. How long does that process take? I'm sure you can't give me months, days, weeks, and minutes, but how many layers before you peel away the onion of facade and, yes, let's do business and get down to, can we really do this together? Any thoughts on that, Morgan? I'd, I'd love to be able to say it's a week or a month because then you could put a budget around it and, and everything would be great. Mm-hmm. But it does depend on the different countries that you go into and the different cultures that you're, uh, that you're engaging with. So you will have more in common with certain cultures and you will understand them uh, if they're neighbouring countries, for example. But as we go further afield, it becomes more challenging and more difficult. But I think uh, ultimately, you know, I, I believe in visualization. And if I can visualize that relationship working and seeing how that happens, I think we're halfway there. I think that that's half the battle. And that's what I like to see out of it. And, and to see a rapport uh, quickly coming about, because if, if you have to work too hard at that rapport, I think it's going to mean that the relationship is going to be more challenging as well. Mm, thank you. Some good human interest insights there. Carrie Maslin, thoughts on what Morgan just talked about? I think it really depends on the type of partnership you are going to engage in. So I think that for something, uh, I'm going to just make something up, like office supplies, where you can, there's plenty of social tools that I can go out and see. Here's the three different suppliers. Here's the, this one has five-star rating. This one has a one-star rating. So, again, you can do a lot of due diligence about partners when the, I guess when the stakes aren't so high, <laughs> Um, it might be you might not need to do that week or that month. It could be a, a split-second decision. When the stakes get higher, when there's a customer project on the line or when there's a you know multi $100,000 RFP or something, yeah, you need to have that rapport. You need to have that trust. And I, I agree with Morgan. I don't think there's a formula for how long it takes um, so much as it is human. Um, it's just human nature, but I think that I think sometimes we might be um, striving for perfection when good enough would be okay. And I think it's finding that balance is when is good good enough going to get me there faster uh, versus taking another month, quarter, year to make it perfect. And meanwhile, I've lost the whole opportunity. So there's a lot of mm. different dynamics in the partnering equation. Thank you, Carrie. And that takes us back somewhat to Susan Solovic's opening quote, failure is the key to entrepreneurial success. If you're not failing, you aren't doing. Trouble is, from what we're saying now, the partner may be the one who's failing or causing us to fail. And then we have to deal with two psyches and two mindsets and and two organizations saying, yeah, we failed, but now we can move on and we know more. That's harder to manage. Susan Solovic, you want to join this part of the conversation? What do you think? Oh, certainly. Well, you know, I think uh, there are nuances depending, as the other two panelists have said, um, on t- what type of partnership you're talking about. But let's talk about if you're bringing in investors, you know, managing those expectations and keeping the dialogue open. Once you've taken that investment, a lot of entrepreneurs, they bring the money in, and then if things, they start having problems, they try to hide it from their investors. And that's the worst thing you need to do. You need to have an open book style with them. And, in fact... If you're picking the right investors, and if you go a little bit beyond the, the three Fs there, Bonnie, um, mm-hmm. you would hope that they not only bring money, but they bring expertise and contacts that can open doors for you. 
So if you are struggling with something, either they have a knowledge base that can assist you and guide you, or they may be able to bring someone in who can help you or open up a collaborative partnership with another company that can help get you out of that situation. And then also the other thing I see is um, for smaller companies, they make these partnership agreements. Oh, we're going to do this together and rah, rah, rah. And I'm always saying get it in writing. Get every single little detail mm-hmm. in writing. And they don't do it. Oh, I've known Joe forever. You know, I trust him, whatever. And inevitably, it breaks, it, it blows up. And because they don't have those expectations written down clearly in one document, signed by everybody, it's hard to decipher. And I'm funny, I was on my education and I practiced law for a while, I was an attorney. And I mm-hmm. can't tell you how many times things wound up in court and you're cobbling together emails or phone messages or whatever, there's really no clear memorialization of what the agreement was. So I think that's important, too. Very interesting. So we're saying diligence comes in the form of crossing your T's, dotting your I's, putting it on paper and having documentation of everything that was done because friends can end up being frenemies and worse on the other (laughs) side of the deal. Very interesting. Morgan, this was your topic. Do you want to chime in on what Susan and Carrie added, please? I like. I, I just feel that you know that the. the I, I personally don't believe in in the uh, in, in the friends and the family concept and try and avoid that as much as I possibly can. I try and mm-hmm. keep a big gap between the two. Uh, I'm very, always very concerned uh, about losing that relationship, and I always think it's the one place you can go when things get really difficult for some respite is is home and friends and family to stay away from things. But uh, you know, in terms of of um, the. the the, the rest of the re- the relationships, I think you you know I think it was Carrie who said that you know lo- more can be lost through procrastination and trying to get it really right and and as an entrepreneur we have to take those risks and just jump in sometimes and go with our gut feeling and make sure that we know how we're going to get out of it at the other end if it does go wrong I think that's the best that we can we can sometimes expect. Have an out clause. Have something else to do tomorrow. Okay. I have a uh, message absolutely. for our, uh, Thank you. Uh, Carrie, before I turn to your notes, I want to give a message from my colleague Jackie Prouse again, who is tweeting her tootsies off here at hashtag SAP Radio. And Carrie Maslin, I see you're tweeting too. Thank you very much. Um, here's a note. Small business owners, SAP would like to hear from you. If you're enjoying the show today and the conversation, and we're certainly gleaning a lot of words of wisdom from Susan Solovic and Morgan Brown and Carrie Maslin, uh, why not send us your business questions? Uh, we've set up something called the Small Business Coach, and you can post your questions on Twitter at hashtag, listen to this carefully, hashtag small, S-M-A-L-L, biz, B-I-Z, Q for questions, S. So it's S-M-A-L-L-B-I-Z-Q-S. Your questions will be answered by one of our panelists, one of the small business coaches at the SAP Newsroom. That's news-sap.com. You can go visit there. And this small business coach series is running from May 11th to August 12th. So you can also email your questions to newsroom, N-E-W-S-R-O-O-M, at sap.com. Or again, post on Twitter at hashtag SmallBizQS. There, message delivered. Jackie, let's see what kind of uh, responses we get. Let's see how many people have interesting questions. Carrie Maslin, let's get back to you. And we're still on our roundtable segment here. 
Ah, here's an interesting point of strategy from you, Carrie. You say sometimes the partners who got you from point A to point B in your business progression will not get you from point B to point C. By the way, this also goes for your own internal talent pool. Very telling. Why don't you explain a little more, Carrie? Well, I, I guess we've also seen this in some of our partnerships. So when you're when you've got certain goals, if you're starting out and you want to get to this point, you de- you need a certain set of skills talent, people, uh, projects to get to there, and and partners. And then once you achieve that goal, they might not have the same skills, talent, knowledge base, expertise to get you to that next step. It's a really difficult conversation because these people have been in there with you uh, day and night and all striving for the same goal. So it's really, again, I'll go back to the introspection where it takes a lot of introspection to say we've got to change um, we need to do something new. Sometimes that partner might be able to change. Sometimes they might not. And again, we see this within not only externally in partnerships, but within our own team. Once you get to a certain inflection point and you need to get to that next level, you might have to look at a different set of talent, skills, knowledge, expertise. Again, very difficult questions, difficult conversations, yeah. but I think essential to get you ultimately keep moving down the road of where you want to get. Carrie, what do you say to the people who are no longer useful? And I hate to use that word because you were the one who talked to us about the golden rule, treat people the way you would like to be treated, especially in business. Take the high road, uh, be the one who has the ethics and the integrity. How do you say to a partner, well, Bob, it's been real. You know, the first year was great, but it's time to move you to a lesser role in the company. Or we're just going to end this partnership because we're bigger now. We need to go with somebody who brings X, Y, Z to the table. How do you have that conversation, Carrie? I think we've talked a lot about it today. It's just it's really about open communication. So I think it's sharing as early as you know this is maybe time for a change and keeping it as fact-based as possible. These are the skills we need. And when we, I, I don't think it's a, uh, we don't like you, we don't need you. I think it's more of a, this is what we need now. That doesn't mean that, again, the, the door will always close, that who knows when those skills will be needed again. I think it actually does that person or that partner a favor because if they're the wrong mm-hmm. fit trying to get you going forward, everybody's going to be frustrated and it doesn't work. So I think when you look at it as, this is really the right thing for the individual or the right thing for the partnership, and it's a fact-based, not a personal attack. I think that's the, the best way to handle it. Thank you. Susan, I want you to weigh in from a legal perspective. No, I'm not asking for free lawyer advice. I know that comes at a very steep price, but I know you don't practice anymore. But uh, what Carrie just said, how do you build that eventuality or that opportunity option or that possibility, I want to say, into a partnership agreement. Hey, we ought to revisit this every year, every two years. If it's not, where is there an out clause you automatically build in? Talk to me. Well, uh, yes. Yeah. So first of all, the disclaimer is, you know, you should consult with your own legal counsel. But yes, there's something known as a buy-sell agreement, which can cover all sorts of scenarios. But my best advice for an entrepreneur or founder is never, ever give up your 51% control. So as long as you have 51% control, you can manage certain things within the business. And if you need to part ways with someone, you've got already, it's, it's the prenup for your business, if you will. So, you know, you're, you're, everybody's in love when you're walking down the aisle, but, you know, two years mm-hmm. later, you find out that you can't work together and it's not a good, not a good fit. 
and you want to get divorced, well, it's already laid out for you on how you're going to do it. Very good advice. Morgan Brown, thoughts on uh, parting ways, parting company, and, and planning to build it into disclaimers? Any any interest here? Any questions or insights? Well, yeah, I think every. Yeah, I think everything is about change, uh, Bonnie. You know, we get into business, and from the very beginning, it's about change. Very few businesses start out as they will be in a number of years down the line, and you have to be up for those discussions and ready for for those challenges that come with that. Uh, so sometimes you can build it into the into the agreement that when you know if certain metrics aren't met, well then we can we can move on and go our separate ways. But the real challenge is going to be around a successful partnership where you just feel that you need something a little bit more, where it's working out for the other person and then you have to leave them behind. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do, but those, that's the, the job and, and that's what we have to do, unfortunately. Thank you. Carrie Maslin, I have one more piece of information from your notes, I think very telling here. You say a good partnership doesn't always mean giving the partner everything they ask for. Can you uh, interpret that for us, please? Well, I think sometimes um, you might be leaving one of you might be leaving something on the table and I think you need to advocate for your own needs and requirements and I think part of back to what Susan was just saying uh, you know get it in writing of what what you need because if not um, this partner might think that they're getting this and you might think you're getting that I think the other piece of this is also that sometimes a partner will go into their comfort zone, into their standard set of what they deliver, and you might need to push them out of that comfort zone and give it so you can get exactly what you need. So I think it's just really a, a matter of advocating for yourself, and that doesn't mean, again, you can't just acquiesce to everything that comes. I don't mean you have to be this crazy negotiator, but I do think you need to make sure that you're getting what you need and what you want out of that partnering engagement. Thank you, Carrie. I have a question for the whole panel, whoever wants to jump in, fine. Um, I don't know that we defined when you go looking for partners and you're a startup, how far up the food chain in terms of maturity and global footprint and uh, business success do you look for in a partner? In other words, do you go to the top echelon and say, uh, hello, GE, I want to partner with you. I'm, I'm Bob and I'm starting a new, uh, uh, I don't know, a bilge pump company or, or a new dashboard uh, tachometer company. Or do you go to another recent startup who's seen some measure of success that you can say, yes, they know what they're doing? Or do you go to a mid-sized business? Anybody want to a- answer that question? Where do you look for these partners and how established should they be if you're the startup? Susan, Carrie, Morgan? Well, well, uh, Bonnie, if I might just say that I think that Please. the large organizations need the SMEs as much as uh, we need them in some respects. They, you know, the larger corporates need the agility of small businesses as well and the mm-hmm. experience that they may have in the local market. So I think, um, you know, we shouldn't be too afraid to approach the larger businesses um, and and leverage what they have done. And in turn, they would leverage what we have, which is that agility and ability to move fast within a given market. Thank you. I agree. I would also add that um, it's really less about size and more about expertise. So, Mm -hmm. again, if you are trying to start up a new retail or start up a new law firm or start up a new whatever, you should be listening out and searching out 
and there's no uh, reason not to because the tools are so easy to use now. But who are the experts in your field? Who are the influential people? Who are the people that you should approach to partner with? So, again, I don't think it's a size as much as an expertise, but I do wholeheartedly agree with what Morgan said that large needs small and small needs large. But I don't, I don't think that there's an exclusive one-size-fits-all rule to answer your question. It's Thank more you. expertise-driven. Thank Could you. I appreciate that. that. Yeah, go ahead, Susan. I I would like to say what I see, though, happening is the small and mid-sized businesses who want to make that collaboration with the bigger companies, they they go in and they say, here's what I do. And, you know, people at that corporate level of making those decisions, they're busy, busy people. So I always encourage people, before you go in, make sure you have earned the right for their time and attention. So don't tell them what they do, what you do. Tell them how you can help them, how you can make their job easier, um, as, as you know, we mentioned agility and all that sort of thing. But what, what are their issues? You can do so much research on the Internet. What are their business challenges? And what do you bring that's valuable to them that would make them want to do business with you? Don't ask them to try to figure it out for you. Thank you very much. Anybody else want to add to that before we move quickly into our predictions round? Carrie or Morgan, any other thoughts? We good? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get caught. I wouldn't get caught in the in the headlights uh, or the or get starstruck by a meeting that you've managed to uh, to get with a large enterprise and sort of put all your efforts into it as well. You know, there, you should stay focused on the business plan you had, and if you have got a good opportunity with a large enterprise. Just treat it as that, just another opportunity rather than putting all your efforts into something that might be the big payday in your own opinion. In your own opinion. Very interesting. Uh, Susan or Carrie, anything you want to wrap up before we move into? I have seven minutes left, and I'm going to divide it two minutes each for predictions. Anything before we start predictions, Susan or Carrie? Are you good? Sounds good. like you're I'm Okay. Good. Guess what? It's time for us to get out the crystal ball. I know I asked all three of you to get it out and polish it off. I don't know whether it's a Steuben crystal ball or something you got at uh, what we used to call the dime store or something in the back of the garage. But whatever it is, it's time to look into the future. So I'm going to ask each of you in turn, first Susan, then Morgan, and then Carrie, how far in the future can you see us meeting again and what would be different about the topic? So would your insights for small businesses be different at some point in time future in terms of how to make form good, positive, sustainable, collaborative partnerships? What's going to change at any point in time in the future? Susan, my favorite year is always 2020, but it's looming closer and closer every time I do another show. So I'm going to ask you, how far in the future would you like to predict? And why don't you give me 90 seconds of predictions? Susan Solovic, go. Sure. Well, I would, I would take a look at the next 10 years, and I really think that technology is diminishing the barrier to entry for small businesses, plus with cloud computing solutions, we can work from anywhere at any time, really. So we can hire the talent, the people we knew or need to run our businesses and to get those projects finished um, and on a pay-as-you-go basis and from all corners of the world. So I really see interesting collaborations continuing to help build small businesses. And I really think that although the last five years, the number of uh, startups in the U.S. has actually declined, I think that as we start to rebound from the recession and get the economy moving forward, we are going to see more and more people who are going to be willing to take that risk and get out there and start their own businesses. 
Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Appreciate that. And I have to say a note, those of you who think you've heard Susan Solovic's name, you probably have seen her as a small business expert on Fox News, Fox Business, The Wall Street Journal's Lunch Break Show, MSNBC, CNN, CNBC, and other stations. Susan, you are a busy lady and Dun & Bradstreet Credibility Corp. recently named you one of the top 2015 top small business influencers. So we're very happy to have you here and as one of our small business experts on Jackie Prouse's new new hotline. So thank you very much. Morgan Brown, time for predictions. What do you see? What year? What month, day, or week? How far do you, out do you want to predict? 90 seconds. Morgan Brown, go. Well, uh, all I can predict is that everything is going to get faster and the technology and the innovations are going to happen quicker. So in order for us to be able to capture that and, and really get on board with those opportunities, I think the partnerships are going to have to be uh, are going to have to happen much faster and much quicker in order for us to be able to take advantage of, of what's happening. If we see how fast technology is being delivered to uh, consumers now and the new ideas have to be to market so quickly, the only way a small business is going to be able to do that is through strategic partnerships with people. Uh, and, I, and that will re- require more risk and that will require more uh, challenges, but the opportunities too will be, will be just as good, I think. Thank you, Morgan Brown. And please do a thank you to your colleague, Ian, who has been very helpful in getting us connected to you and uh, send him our regards. We appreciate his involvement here and his support. And Carrie Maslin at SAP in Orlando, thoughts on predictions. How far ahead are you looking, Carrie? Oh, gosh, you can pick the year. <laughs> um, and I'm going to go with the trifecta on technology, too. I see that technology is going to be even more essential it's going to even be more important than a product. It will be all about the experience, I think, and the technology that provides that experience. So I think partnering is here to stay, especially around technology. I think partnering will become even more fluid and dynamic, and I think we will see more tools um, like matchmaking type of tools so that partnering will even become easier. Thank you, Carrie. And I have to do a shout out for you. You've been recognized as one of the 100 most powerful women of the channel in 2011, 2013, 2014. And in 2011, you were named 100 people in the 100 people you don't know but should and one of the women of the channel in 2014. All good to know. We do have experts here. Yes, we do. I have a quick bonus question for my three panelists. You were all so concise in your predictions. You left me with just about uh, two minutes here, and I'm going to use it very well. My question is, the M word, millennials. Do you see, do you predict, do you project that millennials will be part of a new wave of entrepreneurs? They will come out of the gate screaming and yelling and saying, yes, I know how to do this. I have the connections. I understand social selling. I know how to do social media 24 hours a day. I have a great idea. Listen up. I'm going to take the world by storm. Will they be successful in that endeavor? And will we see more and more young people entering the ranks of entrepreneurs? Susan Solovic, yes or no? And a one sentence answer. Yes. Yes, absolutely. In fact, recent research shows that millennials are starting businesses. It's one of the fastest groups that are starting businesses right now. So I think we're going to see it because they like the lifestyle of being able to work anytime, anywhere. Thank you very much. Morgan Brown, IIS Group. Millennials, yes, no, as entrepreneurs. And one sentence, what do you think is, what, how fast and furious are they coming out of the gate? Uh, I, I think they're they're um, they're going to come up and hit us at a, uh, at pace. To be honest with you, Bonnie, um, and we don't even know it yet. I think they're they're necessary because they think completely differently to the way we do. 
you know, I'm 41 years of age and I feel uh, that I've, I've passed on uh, from, from that whole generation. They work in such a different way that we need them to come into our organizations and help us and show us what the, uh, the next wave is going to be. Thank you very much. Carrie Maslin, thoughts on millennials? Are they here? Absolutely. Are they coming in full force? Mm-hmm. They're here. They're sharp. They're just delightful. And they bring the social skills. We call them digital natives. And if, yes. uh, if you are not partnering with the millennial, you need to get, to get them because they do look at life differently and uh, they understand and they get social. It is innate and absolutely essential that we learn to work with them and hire them. Thank you very much. Good answers all. Thank you for helping me use up the extra time. I have to do a shout out to all three of you for being such wonderful panelists. Susan Solovig, the small business expert, Morgan Brown at the IIS Group, Carrie Maslin at SAP. Uh, in two weeks, on May 20th, we'll be back with the same excellent panel. And our topic will be focused on small business part two, the fine art of customer engagement. You don't want to miss this one. And a reminder, send your small business questions to Newsroom. Real simple, N-E-S-N-E-W-S-R-O-O. If I can only spell at SAP.com or tweet to hashtag smallbizqs. That's S-M-A-L-L-B-I-Z-Q-S. Jackie Prouse and her business experts are there to answer your questions. The series starts next week. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a great conversation. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Shout out to my engineer, Brad, and the Business Channel team. I'll be back tomorrow with another live edition of Internet of Things with Game Changers. You don't want to miss it. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. Oh, 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 oh